Today's episode is sponsored by the Rising Tide Mastermind. The Rising Tide Mastermind is where people just like you get together every week to help each other with issues. Let's face it, issues are hard, so why start from square one when somebody can tell you what they've done with a similar issue? If this sounds like something that's interesting to you, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind to see if the Rising Tide Mastermind is right for you. Welcome to the Scaling Up H2O podcast, the podcast where we scale up on our knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. I'm Trace Blackmore, the host of the Scaling Up H2O podcast. And Nation, today is the very last day that if you want to save 10% on getting a course that will build your confidence in you achieving your certified water technologist designation, So if money is a motivator and you want to save 10%, now forget all the things you get when you achieve your certified water technologist designation where all of your peers know exactly where you stand in the industry. Your customers now know a whole lot more about you even before they meet you because of those three letters and so much more. But if 10% off pushes you over the edge, then please, today, the last day, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash CWT prep and put in promo code CWT10 for your CWT prep course. This course is designed to build your confidence so you can proudly schedule that exam because you know exactly what you need to study and you're going to get so many standardized test-taking tips to build your confidence so you can schedule that examination. One more time, that's scalinguph2o.com forward slash CWT prep and put in code CWT10. That code does end today. And as I said, when we are at the AWT convention on October 4th, I cannot wait to shake your hand and congratulate you for getting your CWT. And I also want to congratulate you if you haven't taken your CWT exam yet, but you have it scheduled. Folks, please let me know that information. I know this is something that you can do. And being a CWT, I know the reasons why you need to do it. So Nation, it's up to you. Can't wait to shake your hand. Hey, here are a few things that you might want to add on your calendar. And as always, you can go to scalinguph2o.com, navigate over to our events page, and we'll have all the information you want to know about these events and more so you can go to what is going to help you devour more information in the water treatment industry. The American Society for Healthcare Engineers is having their annual conference August 6th through 9th in San Antonio, Texas. 
And then the Aquatech Mexico in Mexico City, Mexico, is having their conference hosted by the Water Quality Association September 5th through 7th. And finally, the Association of Metropolitan Water Agencies is having their Executive Management Conference October 22nd through 25th in Coronado, California. For these events and more, find out all the information that you want to know by going to scalinguph2o.com. Speaking of information that you want to know, here is a brand new Periodic Water Table with James. Hello and welcome to the Periodic Water Table with James, where we think and learn about water chemistry drop by drop. Please use your week to search online, ask your colleagues, or even pick up a book to learn more about each week's periodic water table topic. If you do, at the end of the year, you'll be 52 water chemistry smarter. So let's raise the water table of knowledge together and get started. Today's topic is polyphosphates. What are polyphosphates? What are some examples of polyphosphates used in industrial water treatment? What function do they serve? Are they corrosion inhibitors or scale inhibitors or both or neither? How do they work? What pH range are polyphosphates most effective? Are they synergistic with any other water treatment chemicals? Can polyphosphates revert back to phosphate? What factors can increase this reversion? Do you use any chemical products with polyphosphates in them? Remember, knowledge is power, and taking the time to learn more about water chemistry each week will help make you a force to be reckoned with. Be sure to post what you learn to social media and tag it with hashtag watertable23 and hashtag scalinguph2o. I look forward to learning more from you. Scale Nation, I mentioned the upcoming AWT conference on October 4th. I hope that is on your calendar and I hope that I see you there. But today we are going to talk about last year's annual conference. And there is an award that acknowledges all of the things that are fine suppliers that give us the wares in order to do what we do for our customers each and every day. And the Association of Water Technologies looks for certain criteria to celebrate our suppliers that are just really knocking it out of the park by doing the very things I just mentioned. So we're gonna be talking to them today on our interview. My lab partners today are the Mats of AP Tech Group. We've got Matt Horine and Matt Highcallis. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Thank you, Trace. Trace, thank you. Thank you for coming on Scaling Up H2O. We're going to talk about a lot of things today. Uh, we're going to talk about AB Tech Group, what you guys do there. But I want to start off with who you guys are and introduce you to the Scaling Up Nation. So if you guys will, please let the Scaling Up Nation know who we're speaking with. Good deal. Thank you, Trace. Yeah, I'm Matt Horine. I'm the president at AP Tech, um, AP Tech Group. Been here for 21 years this summer. So my second career job as a chemical engineer out of college. So it's been very rewarding and uh, enjoy very much being part of this team and a leader of this team, but also a part of this industry. 
I'm Matt Heikalis. I'm the vice president of sales here at AP Tech Group. I joined the team, oh, four and a half years ago. Uh, prior to AP Tech, I worked for a company called Crown Solutions starting in 2001. I uh, spent uh, close to 18 years with them in various roles, starting out in the field, you know, cutting my teeth, learning the business, the, the technologies, uh, just how to, how to solve problems and, and interact with customers and moved up to, up to regional sales at one point and also spent some time in the technical department. Well, welcome both to the Scaling Up H2O podcast. I thought we'd start out with talking about the prestigious award you just received. And uh, I think a lot of the members of the Association of Water Technologies do not know what happens off camera uh, in actually getting that award. So congratulations. You all received the Supplier of the Year Award last year. Thank you. Thank you. And, and I've been on the board for AWT. I know they just don't give those things out. There's <laughs> lots of things that you have to do. You have to prove that you're here for the industry. So what was that process like? Somebody called you and said you were nominated. What happened then? Yeah, actually, Matt and I were, uh, we'd been at a customer visit out on the road. So doing a little road warrior work and uh, Matt gets a call. I can't remember if I was driving or he was driving, but he answered his phone and I can hear him going, yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll we're going to, to Vancouver and he gets off the phone. And he goes, Hey, we were just nominated for a uh, supplier of the year. So I like, oh, that's really cool. So that's kind of where it started. And then you know, we're like, okay, I think we got a shot at this. And, you know, over the summer, and as we're making up our plans, and we're like, yep, we got to make sure we're there and there on Friday night in Vancouver, and we're not leaving and you know, make sure our travel plans accommodated that. And sure enough, there maybe, you know, a day or two into the conference, and people are like, I think you guys got this. And I, you know, we've got a good feeling then. So very exciting. And, you know, definitely Jim wasn't able to, Jim Heimer, or, you know, our owner wasn't able to be there that week, but, you know, I think he was proud that we were there to be able to receive it and accept the award. So, and Katie Lee as well. So, you know, just the leadership and the, the management and ownership of the company, it's something they've worked at for a long time and been a part of their life and their family. So uh, certainly a measurement of success and enjoy and accomplishment. So you prepared a speech. You didn't know if you were going to have to read it or not. Is that what was going on? I'm not a great preparer of speeches. I'm more of an extemporaneous speaker. Right. So I kind of, in my mind, I had probably the four or five, you know, things I knew I wanted to touch on. And, you know, they called Matt's name, Matt Hycalis's name. He's like, Matt, you need to jump up there and do this. So I was like, okay, I got this. So no, it's, uh, you know what you're proud about, you know, the work you put in, you know, when it's, when it's been tough, when it's not been easy and you know, when it's been very rewarding and this is one of those. So things come off easy. And I, you know, it's funny, I was a little bit more trembly or shaky than I thought I would be going up there because, you know, by the evening I kind of knew it was happening, but you still get up there and you're like, man, this is pretty cool. And there's a lot of, there's a fair amount of people out there in the audience. And I think they still do this. So this is kind of the behind the stage magic, but you get a prop reward and they actually ship you your real award. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. They gave us, you know, it's a little, you know, it's like just a little bit smaller than a piece of paper, you know, a notebook piece of paper with some thickness, but then you get a, yeah, you get a proper trophy award that gets shipped to, to the office and we've got it displayed out here just out. We got actually the, you know, the, the one they handed out showing one place and we got the bigger one showing in another place. So very good to have that. And it, it does stir conversation when people come in and it's something easiest if we've got, or easy for us to talk about if we've got, 
Oh, you know, local leaders, maybe people from the, you know, the West uh, Westchester Township business community come in or, you know, your bankers, your insurance, your vendors come in and, you know, oh, tell us about what's going on. And we're like, hey, we got what's this? And they, you know, I think they all feel a little part of that, too. And I'm sure when you're talking with your customers, they feel proud to do business with somebody that's won an award like that. For sure. And I think as we've evolved over the last, I'll say, you know, five years and certainly coinciding with Matt coming on board and us really diving in to want to be, you know, while we're a vendor to the water treatment community and water treatment industry, we also pride that we have people on our team and our staff who have worked in the industry or part of the business, understand the, you know, the science, the technology and that bit of it. And, you know, we're able to really be a resource. And I think this is kind of that proof in the pudding that that really paid off. Well, congratulations again. That is no small feat. Uh, Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about AP Tech Group. How did the company come to be? I guess I'll take that one since I've been here since I was employee number four. So if, uh, you know, lots of people listening will know Jim Heimert. Uh, He's still our owner and kind of semi-retired. He's enjoying the uh, snowbird life a little bit. So hasn't returned here to the uh, relatively nice weather in the north as of yet. But he'll be back in a few weeks. But so Jim had been with Calgon early in his career. So that's where he cut his teeth, water and water treatment. And, you know, through looking to move back to Cincinnati, getting some other, you know, experiences in chemical distribution, him and a partner started a company called Applied Process Technology. So you can see where AP Tech came from, and which was a, a more traditional water treatment uh, company, you know, much like the mess, you know, the rest of the AWT membership. And that's when Jim got involved. But uh, so they manufactured for themselves, but also had their book of service business. But in the late 90s, when Jim was introduced to the solid products, he decided that, man, this is something I still got enough of my career left. I want to do something a little bit different, see if I can make an impact. And they split the company in late 2001 or early 2002. So the other gentleman kept that bit of service business and traditional water, direct water treatment sales for however long. I think it still exists to some degree. But Jim kept the manufacturing bit focusing on solid products. So. Starting in Incorporated 2002, uh, there were three employees I hired on in July of 2002 as employee four. So Jim, Todd Lee, and myself still exist as part of the business 21 years later and all good friends and, you know, almost family for, you know, so it's, it's good stuff. If we have somebody listening today that is just familiar with traditional chemistries, the liquids that we all use, how is solid chemistry different? It's really not. Uh, We are using the same kind of set of raw materials that you would be using in your liquid products. The key with us is, you know, we're putting in all actives. So every bit of the chemistry is derived from the actual raw materials that have functional properties and purposes, you know, once they get into into the bulk water or into the feed water, depending on the type of application you have. So the real twist of it is, is, you know, we're not adding any uh, additional water or any other, you know, kind of uh, neutralization chemistry. We do all that in-house. We, we, we handle the, the solubilities on the front end, take all that water weight out and give you something that's, you know, tightly packaged um, that then you reconstitute at the point of use. But functionally, uh, they're highly active, highly functional, high-performing chemistries. We utilize great partners within the AWT. So, you know, other suppliers uh, like ourselves, we rely on for those raw materials. So, 
in a nutshell, um, it's just a different way of, of, of doing it, but achieving the same type of performance and results. Yeah, we'll tell people, you know, we're not chemists or engineers that are trying to come up with a new way to control calcium carbonate or to prevent corrosion. We're, again, as Matt said, we're relying on the experts from the industries, from the other raw material developers and producers. And we want to make sure we stay up to speed and we're able to utilize those, formulate those into our products and continue to offer the best uh, formulations we can. And I think, you know, We've got a lot of flexibility in the way we do things and our techniques, and we've gotten we continually get better. So we're able to address you know the varying water chemistries that you get across the country, across the U.S., and, and through our international distribution too. So very rarely do we have any situations that we can't develop a chemistry for. So we're not we have very few limitations in that sense, much like a liquid formulator would. So you can you know adapt and come up with a unique solution when it's needed. Now, I know you guys produce products for cooling towers. Does that also include closed loops and boilers as well? It sure does. We, you know, cool, cooling towers are our bread and butter. Cooling tower inhibitors, bread and butter. It's about 60% of our, 60, about uh, between 60 and 65% of our production is cooling tower formulations. And that's just, you know, the kind of thing that's not too dissimilar from the industry as a whole, just based on consumption and cycling and all that, you know, it's just what it is. And our products do have a good fit in, in HVAC applications. So air conditioning, whether it's in a building like this or you know, a school, a hospital, whatever, it may be a hotel. But we do have a full line of boiler products by component uh, or the kind of traditional all-in-one or one drum treatment. So we can blend them that way or break them out. And then our closed loop line is, I think, really cool. We've expanded on it over the last years. We invested in some capital and tableting equipment. So we can make anywhere from hockey puck size tablets down to, I don't know, ones that are about the diameter of a quarter or a nickel and only, you know, 10 to 20 grams, but nitrite, molybdate, traditional good closed loop corrosion inhibitors, you know, with buffering, with some polymer in there for some uh, dispersion, azole certainly in there as well. And then either nitrite or you know, molybdate for the primary corrosion control. And beyond that, some adjunct to boil out chemistry or chemistry you could use in a closed loop to clean out a uh, uh, post-commission or, you know, pre-commission clean, uh, some descaling, some you know, iron Azole, players, you know, supplements. Yeah. So it's it's a full line. I think that's really cool because, you know, you start looking about what makes things different or what, you know, when you got to consider using a solid product, you know, sure, there's some considerations you take in. Do I have the right equipment? Do I have the... You talk about that closed loop, you're putting the tablet in a pot feeder instead of pouring a liquid in. And you, we can got cool calculators that'll tell you, hey, I've got... I need to raise my nitrite, you know, 50 ppm, you put in your volume or your anticipated volume, and it'll tell you exactly how many tablets you need. Dissolve away in five, 10 minutes at most. And that, that's a good one. So we're looking to expand on that for sure. So we, we feel good that we are able to touch those main three facets in our type of water treatment, being cooling, boiler, and closed systems as well. Can any system be converted over to a solid product system? Yeah, we like to look at it from a best fit standpoint. So we never want to, you know, look at things that are too big of a stretch. You know, if the material balance is such that it's more appropriate, you know, utilizing liquids or if you've got hands free delivery and the ability to bring base storage in, no worries there. Our, our thing that we look at is the systems that are just, you know, they're tough to manage because there's a lot of just chemical management, handling, logistics, disposal. Let solids do that for you. And, you know, focus in on the, the areas where you can, you know, you need to leverage that, you know, larger demand with liquid programs. So I would say 
we want you to focus on what's a best fit for you, for your organization and for your customer. And a lot of that is just, you know, if you stick with the kind of the, that best fit area, I mean, that, that I think resolves and helps, you know, you know, the overall program and offering and adds value at the end of the day. So um, we're not going to sacrifice, you know, performance for our customers and their pro- their customers and prospects and their client base by trying to say, hey, you need to use our products here, there and everywhere. Right. As Matt said, best fit, ideal fit, speaking this language. And you know what? If we can educate everyone on ideal fit, best fit and where to use our products and provide them a good experience, they're going to find the spots and then they're going to that. That builds the trust. It builds the, hey, these guys aren't here to try to just, you know, sling some goods, right? We want to provide a solution that's the right solution in the right spot. So I say, you know, it's it's finding the round peg for the round hole instead of trying to jam it and something in the wrong hole and it doesn't work, right? And we've told people when they come in, people say, oh, this would be a great application for sauce because it's so hard to deliver there. But it's like... No, that's not a. You're not going to have a good experience. Your customers not, and you're going to put your business not maybe not their whole business, but that piece of business potentially at risk, or you're you're going to spend a lot of time for something that's not going to provide the results. So we want to be open and honest, and I think that's where this background certainly that Matt brings and leads up with the water treatment experience from 20 years in the industry and having been out there that he's got a good sense of it and he's able to relay that with our team to our customers. What equipment is needed in order to utilize the solid technology? Yeah, for like ongoing programs. So, you know, programs you want some level of automation, monitoring, control, uh, you're going to need a dissolver. And what we call our Ultra M, that's going to cover about 90% of your applications. So, the products that we manufacture, the core products are primarily in our paste form. And that paste can be formed out in several different ways. We can cast it into bottles uh, that go in the Ultra M dissolver, or you can put it into a disc form, which is stackable inventory, which is really nice. It's more inventory on hand. It's the ability to add inventory on the fly and things like that. But for the most case, that dissolve, that Ultra M dissolver is going to cover. You know, you need to repressurize. So you're going to use your standard chemical feed pump. And the same control methodology you're using for, you know, liquid program equivalent, you're going to apply with, with solid products. So that's going to be boiler cooling primarily. Um, with the tableted products, these are more slug dose manually applied. So there's really no equipment outside of I need an opening in the system. So a pop filter feeder and or a tower basin or something like that, where you can just simply apply the product and, and move forward. So a couple different ways to get there, but it's it's really simple technology. Once you kind of understand that I need pressure to, 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 to generate enough spray, it needs to contact the product, it will dissolve rapidly, I will make solution. You can test for the solution strength with just simply conductivity. So it's, you know, you learn that, you're pretty much down a path of being able to apply solids. Well, let's explore that a little bit where you talk about concentration strength, because I think everybody's concerned, well, how do I know it's dissolving at the same rate? What if it's hotter? What if it's colder? So how do you know? You can check, as Matt was mentioning, there's, you know, spot check when you're on site to kind of get you, you know, hey, I've, and we've got charts on our product bulletins that says, hey, if I've got this much TDS in the reservoir or you know, whatever my conductivity is, they'll say, hey, I'm at a half percent or I'm at three quarters of prince, or percent solution strength. So that gives you a baseline. But our big game changer for us, certainly on the cooling water, was being able to trace it with PTSA. 
and be able to monitor it that way. So if you get a little bit of swing, your pumps are just going to accommodate that and feed a little bit longer to get you to 100 parts per billion or 125 parts per billion or whatever you may be shooting for. That was a game changer for us. And that big piece of our cooling water business was being able to have our inhibitors traced in that sense. So that's been... I mean, I think probably 85 plus percent now of our cooling water inhibitors that go out, people are utilizing the PTSA and being, and then obviously the equipment monitoring equipment available on the market that complements that. And I think we wouldn't recommend differently. Also go into the disc form of product. You now have a kind of a fixed surface that you're spraying up against. It's not something that's changing over time through the course of a bottle, dissolving something down. The discs, are, you're basically bringing the product and the water uh, to the same level consistently. So it really makes, you know, very good, consistent solutions, you know, over time. And Matt was talking about, you got, you know, process monitoring, the variables that you can do, ORP. So the primary oxidizing biocide we use does respond well to ORP. So you can always do feed verification. Understanding that ORP has its, you know, nuances, there's changes with temperature and pH that ultimately affect. But the key is, is does it change? At what rate of change do you have? Just at least confirm you are achieving some level of of uh, product application. In installing the equipment needed for the solid program, what are some of the things that people might want to anticipate a customer might have extra questions about? Sure. I think, you know, a couple of things you always want to kind of prepare for in advance is obviously understanding if you have wall space or, you know, if you've built out a little platform coming off or, you know, kind of a semi wall coming off that you can use. We actually have a pretty neat gadget on our uh, app where you can take a picture using the camera on your phone and it'll spatially put in a dissolver so you can kind of go, ah, it'll fit there. So I think that's just an understanding. Our dissolvers are pretty sleek and don't have a take up a lot of space, but you need you know, a little bit of space above so you can make sure you got room to add chemicals. You know, we recommend the pump being below because you maintain flooded suction. So that's a good practice. So tools are basic, you know, drill. Uh, If if you're going into a solid wall, whether it's, you know, concrete screws or you're going to use anchors or something like that. But uh, people typically often put them in on Unistrut or something like that. So just whatever kind of anticipating what hardware you might want to get it mounted. From there, level and plumb is important so we still utilize the magnetic float valve so it's non-electric so we don't have any electric requirement which is nice in a wet location for sure and especially as we've gone international we don't have to deal with ce requirements and things like that but that best when that float is hanging completely vertical so you want to be able to accommodate that so that's good other than that it's always good to have a local shutoff with water right there so if you do need to do any maintenance or take a unit out of service you know it does have its own little shutoff but it's nice being able to shut it off upstream and one of the things we're always trying to remind people is we find it because we have a little diaphragm solenoid in there there's more stuff coming through building water sometimes than you realize that gets caught on that little solenoid so serviceable filter anytime you can up front so that's always good we took the approach not to add any uh backflow as part of our device and let the installer refer to the local regulations. So we know that varies from city to city by code. So certainly anywhere where you can install in a mechanical room after the RPZ is great, but you know, just something that someone should consider when they're going on site. So different than some of the older models we had, and I know in the wear wash and laundry feed, they often come with a vacuum breaker or something like that. But we just saw so much variance, you know, from this city to that city to this state and, you know, that locality that we thought it better to let the installer take care of it. So just kind of a note there. 
but certainly another option too when going through installation there's partners out in the industry that do a lot of the panel and skid mount systems for all your kind of a feed and control equipment most of them are willing to work and come up with uh, pretty cool looking panels that you know incorporate solid dissolvers and you know whether we coordinate with them shipping you know a customer might purchase three and say hey can you ship them to you know this fabricator or whatever and we can do that and we're happy to do that and work with them as needed and those are great companies as well what are some of the pressure requirements that are needed for the dissolvers i think on the low end we really need to just have 20 psi dynamic pressure uh, for the unit to operate sufficiently which in most cases you're going to have so there are you know some you know rare instances where you know other uses in the plant might starve pressure but you know 20 psi dynamic pressure is i think reasonable um if not they do sell fairly reasonable booster pumps we know we have some customers that have you know maybe the installation in a penthouse in a tall building and it's maybe for whatever reason they don't have sufficient boost to get water pressure up there where just a little you know electric inline you know pump could get you that little boost in pressure so but but 20 psi dynamic is is what's needed i think we designed the current dissolver pretty well too with the solenoid doesn't you can live at 20 psi and there's not a lot of pressure loss just in our fittings and things as well so i mean with some earlier models did need you know maybe closer to 30 or 35 which you did maybe more frequently running but i'd say in the last several years that's not a very common question we get but to matt's point if you do have a penthouse, that's probably the most likely place. You know, you're in the 30th, 40th floor in a, in a city center somewhere. But again, not something that can't be overcome. I've heard of a lot of AWT companies are for safety reasons saying if I've got to carry pails up a wall that's attached to a ladder and go out of a hatch, that's very dangerous. And they're requiring solid chemistries. Are you hearing things like that? Yeah, that's been a common one. I mean, you'll get a call or have a conversation with someone. And they're like, you're not going to believe this. Someone's still tying a rope or a cord around a handle on a five-gallon pail and, you know, taking it up to a rooftop unit somewhere. And, you know, and I was like, man, that is not a great idea. Those handles aren't meant to do that. But so we do hear that. And they are identifying that that's an opportunity because these guys can go up that ladder maybe with a backpack on and you can, you know, put in the couple whether it's bottles or the discs that we have and go up there and you've got a dissolver located up there. So take care, you address that delivery issue by installing that dissolver up front and you take care of that appropriately then. Then it's a matter of uh, you know, getting that product up there when needed. And the other thing too is with the size and the compact nature, if you've got a little cabinet or something up there, you can keep a several months worth of inventory on site without, you know, it's not having to need a, several square feet or an area on you know you're not utilizing much floor space or anything to maintain inventory a small cabinet small if it's inside a mechanical room just a little corner to stack boxes on a shelf you can keep you know half a year's worth easy on especially on some of those type applications where the chemical demands often not huge what is the volume difference so we all can visualize a five gallon pail a 30 gallon drum a 55 gallon drum so what is the equivalency from uh, something we might have from a solid product i think you know so kind of if you take it real quick and start back at like dosage considerations the average dosage on one of our scale and corrosion inhibitors is going to be say 20 to 30 ppm so you know if that liquid blend is somewhere between 100 and 125 so you know where it is 80 to 130 you can kind of see that you know 
we're four to five, maybe four to six times more concentrated. So I typically look at like a 30 gallon drum. If you take a 250, 270 pound, you know, divide that by four or five, four or five or six, that's kind of, you know, I think on a, a scale and corrosion inhibitor for a cooling tower, that product, that's pretty much uh, uh, my, my kind of gauge, you know, over the, in the past, you know, you run into people that have 10% active liquids and you go, well, here, you got 50, almost 50 pounds in this case. So that's 500 pounds. That's kind of where, you know, over the years that had become a little bit of a rule of thumb, but certainly over the years, people have made more concentrated liquids. You know, those have been able to be more readily accomplished. Um, you know, you look at the boiler water, it could be more like a 15 gallon kind of container, you know, sulfite, or if it's an alkalinity booster, when you start just comparing what the actives yeah, are. Yeah, there's a high solubility in some of those amines can be stuffed into a, a liquid form at a fairly high concentration. So it's not quite the equivalency there. But certainly on the cooling water side, there are some some appreciable gains that could be made. I think we work. I know we worked with one customer where we did some unique, you know, custom formulation. It kind of worked out that each bottle or each unit in there was basically worth a five. It was equal. It was almost exactly equal to a five gallon. Their five gallon pail. So you know, those four uh, bottles in there, twenty to twenty five gallons for them. That worked out quite well because it was a good. I can they their mind they could get around that. Now, I live in the South, so we don't have this issue normally, but apparently in other parts of the country, it freezes. So I imagine that you don't have to have any worry about your products freezing. No, that's that's not been an, an issue that we've ever been made aware of, and it has been something we've touted. And we have several good can, uh, customers in Canada, right? So, you know, where they you're able to distribute and utilize our product and across and truck it across that country where it's certainly very cold in the wintertime. And you know, even in the U.S., Chicago, Minnesota, Wisconsin, that bit of the country, too, where it's pretty cold for several uh, months out of the year. So I think that has been something that wasn't a wasn't something that was set out to be an intended uh, benefit, but certainly something that's been realized in, you know, certain geographies. What are the top five troubleshooting tips that you want to make sure everybody out there in the Scaling Up Nation knows if they're going to start using solid chemistries? Yeah, I mean, I, I get this all the time, and it's just, it really gets back to my water, you know, treatment roots and being out there in the field and servicing and just looking at things that prop up. I mean, start, you know, start local, start small, right? Am I generating solution? If I know that I am, then I move upstream or downstream from there, right? So I am making good solution. That means the dissolver itself is functioning well. I've got sufficient pressure. You know, things are, are lining up on that end of things. Do I have pump prime? You know, do I have pump capacity? So we are making very safe solutions. We're not, you know, having to drop pH down to two or drive pH up to 12 or 13 to keep things soluble. We've done all that in our manufacturing process. So when we do generate solutions, they are on the weaker side. They could be anywhere from, you know, 10 to 20 times less concentrated at the point of use in the dissolver, but that's by design. So the key for us is you need to make sure that you've done the math and to know what's the, what's my material balance of the solution I'm generating. How much do I need to, you know, transfer into the system to achieve dosage. So to me, it's just, it's, it just kind of go into those things. Can, am I, is my math working out? Have I generated solutions? Well, where that relates to probably over the years, one of the biggest things is, do I have a big enough pump? You know, someone's like, all right, I'm going to use solids in this application, I'm, but I'm going to utilize the pump that's there. And they've got a 12 gallon a day pump because that was feeding what was coming out of a pail. 
five gallon pailer. And, and that does not deliver enough solution. So certainly having big enough pumps, often a 24 gallon a day is, but we certainly, if you can pull it off and they're starting scratch 40, go 48, 44 gallon a day, that's going to cover most things. And that's probably one of our number one. And as we've vocalized that and made that part of our trainings and when we're out in front of uh, our customers, service, sales and service teams, just reiterating that, I think that's overcome a lot. Over the years, that's been the number one thing, I think. Yep. You know, again, I mentioned earlier the serviceable filter in front of the dissolver. That's just going to, you know, it's going to solve a little, you know, this does something that, you know, you get a little piece of debris on that diaphragm. And now, why is my dissolver, you know, why is water coming out of the overflow port? Well, that's, it's working the way it should, but there's something that's, it's not physically closed. So making sure that's there. And I, you know, one thing I think, don't forget the dissolver, it's it's a working, moving piece of equipment. While it's got minimal moving parts, it still needs some attention on a regular basis. You know, whether it's a cleaning, a PM, just someone's got to put their eyes on it. The same way you would a pump or, a, you know, a controller or whatever. You got to take a look at it and say, hey, yep, on this service visit, it's in good shape. You know, I can verify it's working. I'll check it out next month. It's going to take you a, a minute, 90 seconds to give it a once over and, you know, you you feel comfortable that, hey, you left it in good working order. So I think sometimes there's a perception I can put this on the wall and forget about it for a little bit. But it is, a you know, it's a piece of equipment, right? So nothing complicated. But if it's not attended to properly, you know, things tend to trend the wrong way. When I teach water treatment, I normally get on people because they don't understand the volume of water they're actually treating. And you guys have come out with some great products to figure out how much water you're treating. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, we've got an app that we developed internally. So it's uh, very, it's uh, Android, uh, you know, Apple's uh, web app you can use. So it's a great tool. I know when Matt's talking to folks or other technical sales team are talking to folks, often it's let's open up this app and work together through it. And, you know, basic operating data, water chemistry that everyone has, you know, they've scratched on a pad somewhere. They just know because they're in that market so much. You type that in and fill that out you can get some pretty handy uh, information pretty quick and on site, on your phone, on your tablet, whatever. You can be pretty, you have a pretty good understanding of what your chemical demand is going to need. Am I going to need, you know, a case, you know, a bottle, uh, say a week, a bottle, a quarter, a case a month, whatever it may be. And you've got that. So if you can get down and get into this, Matt saying, understanding that mass balance, knowing how much product you anticipate using, that's your starting point. If you know, anticipate what you need and you're regularly comparing what your usage should be to what you anticipated it being during your survey. So we'll get comments. Well, your product's not dissolving or it's dissolving too fast. Well, did you check the residual, one of the residuals, whether it's the phosphonate or maybe it's azole, if you want to check that to a backup or just following your PTSA and someone will say to me, oh, it's dissolving too fast. Well, what's your PTSA level? It's at 100 parts per billion. What's the, it's feeding? You're feeding in proportion to what the demand is. The reason it's dissolving, dissolving too fast, quote unquote, is that your system needed that product or something like that. So always making sure that, hey, yes, you might perceive that a bottle used to last you two weeks and now it only lasted one week. But if your parameters are testing accurately in your bulk water, then you're following load the way or following the operating conditions the way it should. So something to maintain. Um, and then the reverse of it is I've got people who have said in the past, oh, this stuff isn't dissolving. Well, what's back to Matt's point, check the solution strength in the reservoir. Oh, it's exactly where the product bulletin says it should be. 
Well, that means you're not delivering it to the system either fast enough because maybe your pump wasn't large enough to deliver the need. Or we had someone that had a check valve installed backwards. You know, a pump is you know not working. So those are things that if you understand, and again, just to hammer home Matt's point, what your system should be using and utilizing like our app to get that number dialed in up front and you compare and re you know, reconcile that, you can you, you set yourself up for success. And then I think, uh, Matt, you want to touch on, you know, we're talking about other tools and products. We've got the PTSA tablets that we've developed for system sizing, which is critical yeah, in all your calculations. What a novel, you know, product. It's, you know, for us, our PTSA tab's going to, you know, keep the lights on here and it's really going to be, you know, astrodocal. No, no. But what it is, it's a tool. Uh, it's an ability for, you know, a water treater to simply carry a small tube of known, you know, mass of, of PTSA. Uh, utilizing the Solid Guide app. So, you know, eyeballing this, it looks like it's maybe a 5,000-gallon system, but I'm just not sure. Well, the app says I need to add five tablets to start with. So you take a background PTSA, you add the five tablets, you need those system volume turnovers and mixing to get that well dispersed. You can run your, your PTSA tests over time and see it kind of peak and then plateau out as long as I got blowdown shut off. What a great way to quickly, you know, determine system volume. So great for condenser waters, cooling tower applications, things like that. There are some process loops, chilled hot loops you could use it in as well. The key is, is with anything else with PTSA, know, know what the interferences are. But just having the tablets, I think, are, are nice versus, you know, kind of partially putting in a bottle or, or one of the liquid equivalents on the PTSI. So we, we knew we could make it. We made it, we built some tools around it, and it's pretty cool. And in fact, the demand for those has really picked up. Yep. We get orders, you know, pretty much weekly for, for tubes, whether you need a single tube or a pack of 10. I think as much as, as, much as we can empower the, and arm the water treaters with good tools, you know, good athletes, good players, good craftsmen use good tools, they can create good results. So I think as long as we can continue to do that and instruct you know, the folks, how to use them, how to utilize it. That makes us better. It makes the utilization of our products better. I, you know, I think some of the system sizing stuff and things Matt's brought in, you know, people's minds about that, you know, considering, you know, turnover in the system, half-life and things like that. There's been systems before, maybe just on basic operating dynamics, we'd look at and go, ah, man, the solids are either going to be tough or they're going to be great. And, but you can now factor that, take it to that next degree and go, yeah, this is, this is, this can be done. There's not a problem here, or this biocide feed is going to work, or this inhibitor feed needs to be different because of those situations when maybe just the standard kind of calculations don't pan all the way out. So you have an open mic directly to 20,000 listeners. What do you want to leave them with? What do you want to make sure that you drive home from this conversation? I think be open-minded and take that kind of 30,000 or 40,000 foot view when you take a look at an application and say, why would AP Tech's products or solids be an ideal fit here? And let's work with that. And then from there, feel free anytime to contact our team. We are here to empower people and make it better and make it understandable and you know, connect all those dots. It's not magic. It's not, you know, it's not a black box. It's not, you know, anything complicated. It's good chemistry packaged in a unique way that we've worked on honing for 20 plus years. And with the team we've got, we want to help people 
utilize it and make their lives and then their customers' lives easier, better, more simple. And so please feel free at any time to reach out. Everyone here is motivated to help, motivated to participate in helping our customers. And we're a open door, open window, open mic, whatever, open phone to answer those questions. My biggest thing is, you know, you always are seeking to, to, to add value, to create value, solve problems. Um, we've got a lot of quivers in our arrow in this industry, you know, whether it's you know, technology, it's, you know, expertise, experience we can leverage. You know, our, my big thing is every conversation, you know, that I have with folks is I want to leave you know, that person or whoever I'm talking to with just something a little bit more. Um, that's kind of how we've been approaching things, you know, here, you know, since I came on board was, you know, how can I create value, you know, to you and your organization? And that can just, it can be as simple as I've got product technology or I've just got some experience and something that I'm just passionate about that I, that I want to share. So, I mean, that's, and that's the, you know, kind of fun part for me transitioning from, the other side of the business to the side of the business I'm on now, which is a supplier, vendor, and partner. Uh, and it's fun to, to kind of utilize the things that I've learned over this years, you know, dealing with end users and in, 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 in the market itself to now supporting it. And, it, and it's been fun. So, you know, we're, we, we like talking to people and we want, yeah. we want to talk to people. Talk to and the, Matt, it, it can be about our products. It can be about water treatment in general. We, again, we want to, you know, as we were saying when talking earlier about the supplier of the year, we want to be a part of the industry. We appreciate being a part of the industry. And it's a big industry with lots of different, as Matt was saying, technologies, options, techniques. We're one of those and we're happy to talk about it. We're happy to learn about other people's stuff and we're happy for collaboration. You know, that's one of our core values is collaboration. So we're relatively smart folks, but, you know, hey, we're not the smartest and, you know, hey, we'll take on whatever people bring to us and have open dialogue conversation because we're constantly learning. And I think I speak for myself, but I'll speak for Matt. Probably we got a lot more work in this industry ahead of us as, uh, you know, guys in our mid 40s. A lot of more fun to have too. Well, Matt Horine. Matt Hykalis, thank you so much for being a guest on Scaling Up H2O. Thank you, Trace. Thank you, Trace. Appreciate it. Scaling Up Nation, I just want to take a minute and thank all of the people that serve our industry. I think of all the people that I call on a regular basis when a customer needs something, when I need something, when one of my people needs something, and we might need a solution. We say, hey, we've got to do this, and we don't know how to do that. Do you have a particular product that will help us get to that outcome? And each and every day, I know we are all using our supplier members to help us become more successful. So Nation, I just want to give a shout out to all of the suppliers that help us in the industrial water treatment industry. We simply can't do what it is that we do without them. And it's my hope that you're utilizing them to their fullest extent. They are experts with what they provide and what they do. So don't think that you are bothering them. Don't think that you have to continue thinking the same things you've always thought about the same equipment that you continue to use. So whatever the equipment is, 
reach out to the trusted advisors that your company has and find out what are the latest innovations that they're coming out with. What are some new ways that you can use the equipment that you have that might save you time each and every time that you service? One of the offerings that most of our suppliers will do for us is have training courses, whether they're virtual or they actually come to your office and allow you to learn about all these new innovations that they have, or they're just simply answering the questions that you have on how you can use their wares even better. So if this isn't something that you've considered doing, I know for a fact that they would love to do it and it will make you better it will allow you to spend less time doing the things you don't want to do so you can spend more time with your customer. And after all, that's what service is all about. So please reach out to these fine folks today and make sure you're taking advantage of all of the suppliers that allow us to do what it is that we do. Nation, I hope you had a great Friday and I will talk with you next week with a brand new episode.